Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is, you're one step closer to becoming your parents. You'll proudly mow the lawn. Ask if anybody noticed you mowed the lawn. Tell people to stay off the lawn. Compare it to your neighbor's lawn. And complain about having to mow the lawn again. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home and auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance. Which, of course, will go right into the lawn. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company, affiliates, and other insurers. Discount not available in all stages or situations. Okay, here we go. Now put it in reverse. Got it. Now forward. Okay. Reverse. Now turn the wheel. Right. Turn the wheel. No, reverse. Left reverse. Right. Slow the out. Go kill it, kill it, kill the owner. There's a reason they say curse like a sailor. I said reverse. Many reasons. Progressive's boat insurance has you covered. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Well, we're docked now. Welcome to the NBA Front Office Show. I'm your host, Keith Smith. We are brought to you by CLNS Media. We are super excited to be with you all today. We're going to go through the latest news updates, so transactions. There have been a handful since we recorded last week, as well as some injury updates. Unfortunately, those are not so good. There, there's some major guys went down, and that's going to be uh, you know, something that's going to potentially change the uh, future outcomes for a couple of teams. So we'll get into that. And then we're going to wrap up in this episode, the central division. So we'll talk through the Detroit Pistons, Chicago Bulls and Cleveland Cavaliers. And then uh, we'll, we'll get all that moving on. So joining me for this episode, our producer, Connor L. Connor, how are you this morning? I'm doing great and excited to get started with this pod. Absolutely. And Pete, how are you doing this morning? Co-host Pete Toll with us. I'm doing great. Just glad to be talking basketball and not suffer. Well, not really suffering, but having to watch Toy Story one, two, and three for like the <laughs> seven hundred consecutive day. Is that is that uh, your because, movie of choice for the children? Uh, no, that is my son. Uh, that is his choice. It's Buzz and Woody every time the TV comes on. It's Buzz and Woody, and he jumps up and down. And <laughs> I used to, it, so. I used to run back Lion King all day, twenty four seven, when I was nice. a, a young lad. <laughs> yeah, Did so hasn't... what? Like a week ago? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we uh, yeah, my in my in our house it was Frozen. Ah, now what's funny is my daughter's now eight and a half her and all of her friends insist they never really liked frozen and i'm Mm. like i was like i have the uh you know the worn out cd in my you know uh glove box somewhere to you know say quite differently Uh Uh, you know that we listen to frozen all the time so i hear you well all right well we'll we'll, uh well we'll do a disney movie breakdown pod some other day but we'll talk a little (laughs) basketball now so let's get into the news so as we speculated last week the houston rockets we knew kenneth reed was headed there we just didn't know how it was going to play out we all pretty much guessed it right that they ended up um cutting james nunnally loose early from his 10 day but then there was a little wrinkle thrown in there of carmelo anthony getting traded to the chicago bulls the bulls again eating a bad salary from the houston rockets much like they did with michael carter williams just a couple weeks ago so anthony goes over there anthony is 
I, I don't even know that he's even reported to Chicago. I haven't seen anything. He He's never going to play for them. They, that's not going to happen. The Bulls are going to hang on to him to see if they can flip him again in salary, or most likely he will be waived as soon as we get past the trade deadline, and then he'll be set free. In that trade, the Rockets acquired the draft rights to Taja Dragasevich, and they also traded the draft rights to John Diebler and cash to, to the Bulls, so the Bulls uh, cash considerations back in play. Um, there for Chicago is enough to cover Anthony's contract, what's owed on it, plus a little bit extra. Uh, again, much like the Michael Carter Williams trade. This time, the draft rights, though, made it a little interesting. Sounds like there were. Uh, some guys involved here. The NBA has cracked down big time on teams trying to trade draft rights to guys who legit have no chance of ever coming to the NBA. There are teams, I, I tweeted it, if you follow me, you probably saw it, that uh, Augusto Benelli, the Atlanta Hawks hold the draft rights on him, and he is checking in at 54 years old <laughs> right now. So chances of him ever coming to the NBA, I'm, I'm going to say are pretty low. I don't think he'll, he'll be coming. And it sounds like that's what the case was with the um, with this trade with Houston and Chicago is they were going to send the draft rights out to somebody who you know, wasn't really going to come over. So they had to go back and rework. The trade was held also because the NBA league office is closed on holidays. So a lot of people speculated, well, Houston needlessly cut loose James Nunnally when they could have freed up a spot for Carmelo Anthony. But the Rockets, they they really needed Kenneth Fareed. And Fareed has started a couple games now. And Pete, I think he's actually looked pretty good for the Rockets and, you know, the time he's been there. Yeah, he's fit basically seamlessly, you know, on the team. Basically does what he always does and gets quick points, you know, off of dunks, you know, putbacks, things like that. Um, really rebounding well which is something that they need and actually playing a little bit of defense, um, yep. you know, considering that wasn't necessarily his strong suit previous, but um, he's fit in, like I said, seamlessly in that, in that role. And once they get um, Chris Paul back, which looks to be, is it today that he's coming back? Uh, um, yeah. I th- There's a good chance he's going to play today is I think how they put it. Yeah. So, I mean, they're just rolling right along. So. Yeah, I mean, Fareed went from not playing at all, really, in Brooklyn and playing. This was uh, two nights ago. Again, we're recording this on Sunday morning, January 27th. Fareed played on Friday night as the Rockets beat the Raptors. He played 37 minutes, almost 38 minutes, scored 21 points and grabbed 14 rebounds. And, you know, I look at it as he's nowhere near the defender Clint Capella is. Capella is right. one of the better big man defenders in the entire NBA. But he can do basically everything else Capella does. He's, you know, good on the roll. He's, you know, good at catching lobs. He's, you know, really, really good rebounder still. So, you know, I I think that maybe what should give the Rockets fans some hope is when Capella gets back, Fareed will be in there kind of as his backup. And that kind of allows you to really spot Nene a little bit more because they really only play him about every other game as it stands today. So, so I think you can, you know, kind of, kind of get away and build in it. I want to spend one minute because where we, this isn't always what we do, but I want to spend a minute on James Harden and just how insane this run has been out of him and all the, the numbers he's putting up. And, you know, it's, um, it's one of those things you can, you can not appreciate the way James Harden plays. And I know a lot of people don't, they don't like his style of game, but, 
you have to respect the fact that he's doing this and he's doing it in a lot of cases without much help and that he's kind of kept the Rockets afloat and even, you know, pushed them forward on, you know, some wins here and got them in a much better spot as far as playoff standings go. So Con, where do you fall out on, on Harden? Is it, do you enjoy it? Do you not enjoy it, but you respect it? Do you not even respect it? How, how do you fall out on James Harden? Well, it doesn't make sense to not respect it to me because even if you don't like him drawing fouls and like the flopping and all that, it's insanely hard to be able to do it at the rate he does because one, he does get fouled a lot of the time. So like, let's just say 75% of the times he actually does get fouled, which I would say is pretty conservative, but almost on a hundred percent of them, he makes the refs know that he's being fouled. There are a lot of guys who get fouled that don't get the call and everyone's like, oh, he never gets the call and the refs don't like him or whatever. But but they just play through it and they don't exaggerate the contact. And whether or not you think that's a good idea, the goal is to win the game. And if you're getting 95% of the fouls that are happening to you actually called, that's a skill. Um, I'd I'd rather have more fouls called on me and to take more free throws than not personally and not only that but he's an elite passer one of the best passers in the game with his height he's at like six six and insanely strong um when you get a guy like a wing on him he's just way too big for them like he's too bulky and then when you get a big on him it's just game over um because of those step back threes and getting to the rim and if you double him he's too tall so he can just make every single pass you can ask of him it's it's kind of ridiculous what he's doing and pretty unprecedented so i just hope it lasts yeah i'm I'm with you i'm in the same boat you know there are times when i'm like i can find it to be i can find rocket schemes to be slightly boring if it's one of those ones where he's taking 25 you know free throws in a game but it's you. I'm not going to knock it. It's what they need to do to win. They are now 28 and 20. They're six and four in their last 10. They're only two games out of third place in the West. I do think that they're a team that they, they want to get um, so that they're opposite Golden State in the bracket. I think that's really important to them. They don't want to see the Warriors until the conference finals at the earliest. That's that's their hope. And Pete, it, what Harden's doing kind of reminds me a little bit going back to like like when, when we were younger. It go. It reminds me of um, like the guard version of Charles Barkley, where it's you mm-hmm. put a big on him, he's way too quick. You put a small on him, he's way too strong. There's really just you know, it's almost like there's there's no real good way to defend this guy. There's what maybe two three guys who are equipped to really make his life miserable in the entire NBA, and that's you know even then he's still gonna get his. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like he finds such an array of moves to get open. I mean, obviously the patented step back, but just the way he uses his body is, you know, and, and the footwork with that is just unprecedented, unprecedented. And I just, I feel like the scoring average, he was at one point, he was averaging over 50 points a game (laughs) and what a stretch of, of like five, five games. I mean, come on, like there was no way to stop it. And as, as much as fans want to complain, you know, across the board, like, well, you know, it's a travel with the shot or, wait, you know, he's using his arms to, to draw a foul. Like, come on, like, stop it then. Like, yeah. find a way to, to better defend, get your body into him and um, find a unique way. But I, I give kudos to him because just the way that he's able to, you know, get such a scoring output is, is really impressive because he's not, you know, you don't have a Chris Paul there to set him up to make life easier. So he's doing all this the hard way. Yeah, and I'm not going to say he... Way. 
the hard way. way. There you <laughs> go. Well done. That's our version of the starters pun gun. Um, I, I would say, um, you know, with him as well is, I don't know how many times we need to see like the NBA referees break down that his step back isn't a travel or at least the majority Unless of the Steph time. Curry does not. It. But Curry did it and it clearly was a travel. He took three steps, yeah. you know, but I think it's, I think what it is for Curry is he, it's not natural for him and he doesn't right. do it. So when he did it, it really was, you know, it was a travel where Harden does it, you know, it is a natural thing. Now I'm not going to say on occasion he doesn't travel, but God, on occasion, everybody in the NBA travels. Yeah. It's a, it's like the running joke is right at any other level, switching your pivot foot is a pretty big deal. And in the NBA, it's just kind of like, eh. and it comes back to at the end of the day for me is like, do you want to go to watch a high school game where you have a million turnovers because they're enforcing every rule? Or do you want to go and watch the best players and best athletes in the world do their thing? You know, so it's nobody likes a ref show. Uh, all right, let's move on also, here. Wait, pro oh, tip, yeah, go, pro go tip. Ahead. Don't watch the Rockets live because then it's a three-hour game. That's true. If, if yeah. you watch a replay, then it's always like an hour and a half no matter who you watch because you can skip all the boring stuff. That's a really good point, Con, because I don't think I Maybe that's why them. I don't hate it. Like yeah, maybe, I don't watch them you know? live that often either. Yeah, I tend to watch them on, you know, on, on the DVR or whatever it is. And then, yeah, and then I can zip right through the free throws. So good good point. I hadn't really given that a lot of thought. All right, um, moving on transaction-wise, the Washington Wizards, they signed Gary Payton the second to a 10-day contract. A little, little extra point guard depth there in Washington behind Tomas Sadoransky and Jason Randall. Don't expect too much from Payton. As a matter of fact, they've already sent him down to the G League to play in games, so we'll see what happens. The Memphis Grizzlies signed Bruno Caboclo to a 10-day. I think we touched on it that it was coming, but now it's actually here and done. And uh, he, you know, showed some stuff. Um, Yeah, the other night, he, you know, career high, I believe, 11 points. Um, You know, which is, hey, whatever, right? It's He's he's here now instead of being, what, two years away? Two years from two years away. Yeah, he, um, you know, but it's for the Grizzlies. This is kind of the low cost flyer. Why not? You know, it's certainly not going to hurt anything. It's, you know, might might even, you know, you might might find something here. Caboclo, too, he's still only 23 years old that he'll turn 24 just before the start of next season. So, you know, you, you know, th- these are the kind of guys they should be taking flyers on, you know, see what happens there and see, see if you can kind of catch lightning in a bottle and work out. Uh, Pete, your team, Philadelphia signed Corey Brewer to a second 10 day contract. After this second 10 day, if this one expires, they're going to have to either keep Brewer for the remainder of the season or, you know, let him go and cycle back through. My guess is they may keep him around. I think they like the depth he provides. He gives them a different look. Yeah, and he gives them a different look from their other wings, you know, where he's a little more defense and get out and run the floor versus, you know, uh, be, be a shooter like Shamit and Kirk. Well, Corey. he just had 20 points, and uh, even though Jimmy Butler's coming back, it, <laughs> he did he did well, so. I mean, Corey Brewer did score 50 once upon a time, too. Oh, yeah, yeah. I forgot, actually, all about that. I'm, oh, my gosh, man. People were like, were like, well, Philly needs scoring, and I was like, wait, what? And then I, then I caught on to the joke typically a little late as i am so the the brooklyn nets they signed mitch creek to a 10-day creek really kind of a fun story he um he's he's australian he been been playing for the adelaide 36ers over in australia um unfortunately i don't i should have prepped better and given you the story behind that team name i don't know where it came from but anyway he was brought in uh or brooklyn wanted to bring him over and the the adelaide team didn't want to let him go they were not uh Overly interested. They finally worked it out to let him go. He came over, went to training camp with the Nets. He was one of their final cuts out of training camp. There was a thought maybe he'll get a two-way, but instead
instead he stayed over in the states instead of returning to australia or returning to a you know european league or something like that and played in the g league and now he's up you know with the nets on a 10-day contract so you know good i always like stories like that to see these guys kind of make the most of their opportunity and go and it continues to prove that australia is really kind of underrated in you know pumping guys into the nba they tend to you know i don't know how many we've got now it's got to be five or six at least mm-hmm. on nba rosters from from and australia keith and to help you out they were the adelaide city eagles um, uh, before 1982 and they changed their name to the adelaide 36ers to reflect the history of the south australians proclamation in 1836 there it so is there Thanks. you go so basically they're the Australian version of the 76ers with the yeah. 36ers. All right. Well, good to know. So I uh, wonder if they also get called the Sixers. I, I would be curious to find that out. Yeah. Um, all right. If you're Australian and you know, hit us up and, and tell us, you know, if, uh, if you know, well, what we don't know and all the things we just got wrong and, you know, made you a- angry about, you know, down under there. And then a couple more uh, things, just uh, these are expiring 10 days. So Cleveland, Cameron Payne's second 10 day expired. Quincy AC second 10 day expired with Phoenix. 10 day contracts rules on those is if they want to keep them now, they have to re- sign them to for the remainder of this season you can't sign guys to more than two 10-day contracts in a season uh, with the same team so we'll we'll see my guess is cleveland's gonna let Payne go he didn't even play in the last game he was eligible to play ac he's been part of the rotation in phoenix they're they're super banged up we're gonna talk about that uh down the line here as we get into injuries but yeah we'll we'll go with that and con i'm sure your assumption is just like campaign go and sign basically anybody who can give you whatever pain gives you right yeah i mean i don't know how many shots a guy uh, can get in the league with the i mean i watched like a little bit of a couple Cavs games and he was hustling really hard so maybe if you want to look at that <laughs> but like in the long term he, he hasn't really proven much um at anywhere he's been a couple aside from like the outlier games I always laugh whenever the best thing that can be said about somebody is, well, they were playing really hard. That, <laughs> I mean, that's good, and playing hard is a skill. But if that's all you can say, uh, that, that probably doesn't bode well for the rest of the guy's game. Yeah, apparently they said that they're not going to re-sign him. So that yeah, I mean, that makes sense. Good. They should be cycling through guys now. Yeah, I agree. To really you know, find somebody and hit on you know a diamond in the rough. There, that's just you know, the point that the Cavs are at. All right, so that's all of our transaction news. Let's get into the injuries here. Uh, let, let's start it off with a positive one. Kent Bazemore, the Atlanta Hawks ankle. Sounds like he's getting closer um, and should be back soon. I think the idea for the Hawks is they'd love to get him on the floor for at least a couple games prior to the trade deadline. Yep. But I think I, I keep getting asked who the most likely player to be traded at the trade deadline is, and I keep coming back to Bazemore. There's just been a lot of interest in him. He has a tradable contract, expiring deal. Deal. So I think there's a good chance he gets moved at some point. So he he should be back. Hawks definitely want to get him on the floor. On the flip side, this this one just is a bummer. Spencer Dinwiddie um, injured his thumb. He's going to be out three to six weeks. There was a thought he might try to play through it, but now it sounds like he's going to have surgery. And just another blow for the Nets, who, you know, every time it seems like they take a step forward or get a guy back, they lose another guy. So now they are down, as of this recording, they're down Dinwiddie, Dudley, Crab. Karis LeVert, and then uh, John on Musa is, you know, he's he's back, but he's, you know, really going the G League route. So, so down those four guys, and those are four rotation guys for the Nets. It's, you know, they're three of their, their guards and wings, and then um, 
Dudley, who's been you know really their primary uh, backup or even starting power forward for chunks of the year. So so Pete is. Like the the Nats right right now today they are I should have had it up already they're in sixth in the East they're twenty seven and twenty three they've won six straight they do have some clearance they're five games ahead of the Wizards who are in the ninth right. spot I think they're going to be fine but there there's there was some buzz that maybe they could make a run at you know passing you know Indiana or somebody to get up into mm. that five seed I I think we're probably more likely I think it's I don't know how likely it is, but more likely they could drop into the seventh or eighth spot. That's what I was thinking. Then you know, than that. But I think they're still okay for the playoffs. Is that you? You in the same? Yeah, I, I think they because I like them better than than Detroit and you know a couple of the teams that are out like Washington and and Orlando. Um, I mean, you got to look at guys like Shabazz Napier has um, experience in the league, mm-hmm. so he could step in and um, play a pivotal role. I like what Theo Pinson's done in a small sample. I don't know that they trust him, you know, for major minutes, but based on the injuries there. And then you got Trevion Graham, obviously, um, you know, could step into the rotation. Well, he has stepped into the rotation. Um, yeah. Started, I think, the last what two games. Uh, at uh, least, yeah, he's been he's been in the starting five for for I think since Dudley went out. So yeah, you know, so about a week or so. They have guys that can mix and match, and then I trust Kenny Atkinson. A lot of people didn't at the beginning of the season, but just from what I saw living here in Georgia, you know, with what he did with Atlanta for a couple of years and the player development there, I trust what he's able to do and, and kind of make changes throughout. And then obviously D'Angelo Russell, phenomenal um, season. I have him as a bona fide all-star, but I, a lot of people disagreed when I posted that. So we'll see what happens next week when they get their reserves get announced. As uh, f- for further proof of Pete and I's sometime group think, I also have him as an all-star. I had I snuck him in in a sneaky way, though, because I put Oladipo in, and then I slid he's Russell in as the injury replacement. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, but it's it's going to be close. I think he's right there. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's, uh, if he doesn't make it, it won't be a huge, huge surprise. But if he does make it, it's definitely not a surprise. I, the one thing I will say for, for the Nets is – this is probably point guards, probably the deepest position on the roster um, at the moment, because you've got Russell playing well. You have Shabazz Napier, who's pretty you know good as a third and can even hold his own as a backup point guard. So I think they'll, I think they're going to be okay. It's um the the tough part is right now they've got to win a bunch of games because they their schedule gets really rough um, later in the year. So you want to bank as many wins, which they're obviously doing at the moment. So let, let's see if they can keep that going. All right, Kemba Walker, neck sprain in Charlotte. Uh, he, uh, Giannis, I believe it was, landed on him the, the other night. Um, hopefully he's going to be okay. He wasn't able to finish that game. And, you know, we're really hoping he's okay because he was named an all-star starter this week. Uh, he's going to start in, in is the games in Charlotte, which is pretty cool and well-deserved. You know, Kemba Walker's having a great season. So, you know, hopefully nothing serious there. It doesn't seem to be, but we'll see. Um, we'll talk about what's going on with Chicago and Cleveland when we get to those teams. So let's drop down another piece of good news, Houston Rockets, Chris Paul. Um, you mentioned it earlier, Pete. Sounds like he's he may be even back today's game. Uh, again, we're recording this on Sunday from his hamstring injury. So if not today, be very, very soon. But now the the bummer injury of, you know, maybe of the season, Victor Oladipo tore a quad tendon. Um, 
basically, you know, it's it's his quad, but it, it impacts his knee. His season is over. Um, really just a devastating injury. It was looked really bad when it happened and then turned out to be really bad. This is not a common injury with basketball players. It doesn't happen very often. The most recent example is Tony Parker. And then Tony Parker, we, you know, saw, you know, it took him quite a while to get back. So on the, you know, let's be positive front, Oladipo is, he is um, younger, so hopefully, you know, that, that helps him in his recovery. But, Con, the Pacers are third in the East. They they won that game over the uh, Raptors, the game Oladipo got hurted, but then lost to the Grizzlies, who snapped a long losing streak uh, last night. They're, they're third. They're a game up on the 76ers. They're two and a half up on Boston. And then they've got a six-game cushion on Brooklyn. Where do you see the Pacers finishing now in the East, Con? Well, Oladipo was out earlier in the year, too, and yep. they, the Pacers actually uh, handled that stretch pretty positively um, and kind of kept their position at the top of the East during that time. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if they kind of hold steady here. It's just the grand scheme of things. I mean, obviously, first uh, prayers to Oladipo and hope he gets better and all yep. that. Um, there are bigger things in basketball. But if we're going to look at the court and what's going to happen there— um, I would guess that they kind of fall behind the Sixers and Celtics. I was thinking that the Pacers were the one team that could maybe uh, give us a first round upset. Not the Pacers, but like them struggling to against a team like the Nets, for example. Yeah. So I was kind of looking forward to that series because it looked like it was possible. Now I feel like the top four is going to stabilize up top towards the end of the stretch here um, with the Sixers and uh, Celtics kind of pushing past the Pacers. I would be really shocked if the Pacers fall that far down and like fall to the sixth seed. Um, but overall, it's just a bummer. Uh, having the Pacers in the top four was going to give us a really exciting, really exciting first round matchup um, earlier than maybe we would have thought. So that potential seems like it's gone. But again, I don't want to discount the Pacers kind of other guys, the rotation guy, other rotation guys, because they did hold their own when Old Depot was out the first time. Yeah, a couple things to think of there. They, you know, I'm with you. I don't think they're going to fall as far as say that six game cushion at this point. They, they would really have to start playing terrible uh, yeah. for the for you know them to fall that far back. They, as you said, they you know more than held their own. They they were actually pretty good without without Oladipo. But I think you're right. I I, I don't as I kind of said in a couple radio appearances this week. I think what this did was this lowered their ceiling considerably. But I don't think their floor gets much lower. I think it's you know kind of where it was. I think a lot of us potentially expected them to get passed by Boston and Philly. Anyway, it just the Celtics lost last night to the Warriors, but in a close game. But they've been playing really well as of late, and it seems like they've finally you know have kind of turned a corner. It's not this you know inconsistent. Mm-hmm. Now we'll see if they go on another three four game losing streak here. Well, then we'll we'll see what it looks like with with them. But I think there is a chance that they'll. Uh, you know, move forward Philly, you know, they're Philly fighting through some injury problems of their own, which we'll talk about in a minute, but it's, it's really tough. The one guy I would keep an eye on here is Aaron holiday. He played yeah. really well before when Oladipo was out and Pete, I know he's somebody we both liked in, in the draft processes, kind of that, that combo guard. Um, yeah. you know, it's probably more of a point guard, but I think right now playing him off the ball, cause you've got Collison and Joseph actually kind of suits what Indiana needs. Yeah, that exactly. And then you look at, even though Tyreek Evans has kind of struggled, you have him as well to be kind yeah. of a gunner scorer. So the scoring is there. It's just going to be where is the defense aspect going to get picked up? 
um, as far as I think it's going to be a combination team wide of of really kind of picking up that deficit and and Oladipo it's it's tough but I think that like you said him being younger um, I, I think he's going to come back okay and his work ethic um, is like second to none yeah and he's one of those guys that you pretty much every NBA fan roots for because he's such a nice guy just genuinely just easygoing guy and. So hopefully he comes back fully healthy and and really dominates next season. Yeah, also, if you're an, if you're ahead. an R and B fan, look yeah, out for Old yeah. Depot's next album. <laughs> yeah. And that's not and that's honestly not like trying to be funny or anything. He's actually pretty good and he's, he's yeah. going to have a lot yeah. of time. <laughs> yeah. I, I'll tell you too, having covered him when he was here in Orlando as a young player, um, not that he's old now, he's still a young player, but you know, in his early years, just Pete's spot on. This is a guy you root for. You know you. Yeah, I always love this kid. Um, you know, he was legitimately brokenhearted when he got traded from the Magic because he he wanted to be the guy here to turn it around post Dwight Howard and you know have this team built around him. And you know, they uh, obviously that didn't work out the way Orlando wanted it to. That whole series of trades, but you know, so yeah, rooting for him. One other minor thing to watch with the well, two things with the Pacers. One is they might have a trade in them. Because they've got some tradable deals they can put together. Kylo Quinn's a guy that could get moved. Um, it could be that could actually be one of those rare, you know, straight up basketball moves where a team who needs a big but has an extra guard makes a swap there. That's a tradable deal. They've got some other of their guys that they could put together without really hampering their stuff that they do. And then watch out for Boyan Bogdanovich. I think people forget now he was primarily. Um, a two guard for a large chunk of his career. Um, you know, he's kind of slid up to play more of the forward. You're going to sacrifice some defense if you play him there, but I wouldn't be surprised if we see some of uh, him and McDermott together, which could really open up the floor um, for some of their other guys. The, the problem is, you know, who, who becomes a creator, but I think in a lot of ways now, Bogdanovich becomes the primary scorer on this team without Oladipo there. And he's shown that he can carry that load on the international level and at times in the NBA. So, you know, so, something to keep an eye on there with, with the Pacers and, you know, as Khan said, you know, all the best to Victor Oladipo, you know, get, get back healthy and get back soon. So flipping out to the Western Conference now, the Los Angeles Clippers, Danilo Gallinari continues to be out. He's got some back issues that he's fighting through. No real timetable for him. They, they're they just listing him as day-to-day. So we'll see their you know, Los Angeles brethren, the Lakers, got Rajon Rondo back. That's good. But then they lost Lonzo Ball, and it's going to be a while before we see Lonzo Ball. About the most severe ankle injury you can have outside of a complete break. Um, so it's going to be a while before we see him. But LeBron James sounds like he'll be coming back here pretty soon. Sounds like he's really ramping things up to to get back to the Lakers. So, you know, that should be good. And the Lakers really need it. They are now 25 and 24. They've lost three in a row. They are now two games out of the eighth spot in the West. By no means is that, you know, impossible because they're also only three and a half games out of the fifth spot. So it's uh, not there, but but they're, they're going to have work to do to get into the playoffs. I still, Pete, I think if LeBron gets back and stays back, I can't see any way LeBron James and the Lakers miss the playoffs. What about you? Yeah, I can't see that either. Especially, I like we talked about before. I think the Clippers step back, take a step back. Um, especially, obviously, with Gallinari kind of being their second, second scorer, so to speak. And with the Lakers, I think they might make a little small move, but everybody's expecting them to let's package Brandon Ingram and you know, some other pieces and let's get, you know, a major person like who, who is out there that they're going to be able to get. You're not getting Kawhi right now. 
you're not I don't even to me I think Kawhi is going to end up trying to go to the Clippers more than the Lakers but um and you're not getting Anthony Davis like I know that the Pelicans said that they're not necessarily going to try to make any deals with with Anthony Davis you know which is probably true but I think they'll make some other moves but if you're the Lakers you really need to focus on getting everybody healthy get the reports you know basically keep stuff internal like if LeBron's team saying that they don't want necessarily Luke Walton as a head coach here we go again with the drama of LeBron doesn't like a coach and all this stuff like all that stuff affects the players on the court let's you know figure out a a good focus in the locker room and and start you know playing consistently because even though LeBron's injured when he was playing it was up and down um kind of play too so they really need to get focused if they're going to make that you know seventh or eighth spot in in the tough western conference yeah, I, th- I think you're being optimistic there on yeah, the yeah. internal stuff because, right. you know, I think we've seen that's not going to happen, whether it's the team puts it out or right. or LeBron or you know, even, you know, Luke Walden at times has had to address it directly. But but you mentioned something about the young guys. I, you know, God, we're going to bring down the wrath of Laker fans. But, Con, I don't think they've got the value that people think. I think Laker fans think Kuzma, Ingram, and you know, Ball or Kuzma Ingram and Hart or two of the four, whatever it looks like, that should be the centerpiece that delivers them Anthony Davis. And I don't think that's enough, near enough for the Pelicans. I think there are a handful of other teams that can beat an offer like that. What do you think? Um, I'm going to go a little bit against that because okay. I think if push comes to shove, the it's going to be tough to get, like, what's the offer that's better than that? Other than the Celtics giving up all four first-rounders and Jalen Brown and maybe, like, Marcus Smart or something, like, that's the only thing that maybe comes close. And even that, I think, like, are you going to get the upside of Ingram and Lonzo uh, with those with those picks or and those players? I mean, I just don't think that when you actually go down to sit and make the trades that there are teams that can top the upside potential that the Lakers give. And when you trade Anthony Davis, you're never going to get the player, a player that's at his level. Oh, um, and right. So you need to play, you need to go for the upside play. You need to go for the chance that you get someone that comes close to an all-star level or all NBA level. Um, and I think Lonzo and Ingram out of, and Hart maybe, or Kuzma or whoever's in the package out of every other package that's out there, which I mean, if you give me a package that gives you more than that upside, I'll like I'll say okay. But I just don't think four picks in the teens and Jalen Brown is that much better than that package, personally. Yeah, and 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 I can see that. I see where you're coming from. I do think that Grizzlies pick is now on the borderline of being arguably the most uh, valuable future asset in the NBA because I don't think it's going to deliver this year. If they really do trade Conley and Gasol and bottom out, it's not going to deliver next year, and then it's completely unprotected. Now, I I don't even know enough about this year's NBA draft beyond the top guys. Never mind the 2021 NBA draft. Right. That's you know that, that's not you know well, where, the, where it is. The, the money's in the 2022 unprotected if it gets there because yeah. that is the first year that could be the double draft because um, yeah. 2021 isn't going to happen. I'm pretty sure Adam Silver on what was it, the full 48 or something, talked about it, that 2021 isn't happening anymore. But 2022 is still in play, um, if not 2023. So that's like probably the best money in in terms of picks. But if you're a GM, you're not really trying to get a pick that's going to be four years later. You're trying to get get upside that 
already shows that it might have upside right now. Um, not four years out, that's going to develop for two to three years, and you're not even going to have the job by then. A couple of things with Pelicans and Davis is one, he's not getting traded this year, so we just right. that that's not going to happen. Um, that it's going to be an off season thing, and if now if Davis comes out this off season and says I want to be in Los Angeles, well now it's done because that's that's going to be how it goes. It's just these things always happen this way, and that may mean the Lakers have to give up more than they wanted to, or whatever the case is, you know, to get there. But but that that'll be how it goes. The other thing I do wonder with the Pelicans, the only thing that I think you got to keep in mind is I don't think these guys are in a spot where they want to bottom out and trade Davis, sell off everybody else and fully rebuild. I don't know that they are a franchise that can necessarily do do that. I think they might want to be a little more relevant. So I think that opens up some other opportunities, especially if the Pelicans say, I don't care where you want to go. We're going to make the best deal for us and bring back some guys who you know, are ahead of those Lakers guys right now. And that opens up a lot of other possibilities. You're on the league. You start to look at teams like, you know, Portland or, uh, you know, Denver or te- teams that could really send back some stuff and, and make it work. I know a lot of people like to throw Philadelphia out there, but you know, that one, uh, it's not, I just don't see Philly going that route or, or, do, or does New York and Chicago throw in a ton of their stuff to go get them and say, you know what, Hey, you're in New York with cap space or you're in Chicago where you're from, um, you know, and build it up. So, you know, but it's it's going to be hopefully unless something changes. This is the last time we'll really talk about about Anthony Davis just because it's it's, uh you know, it, it's not going to happen this year. So, well, and I apologize. It's not going to be the last time we talk about him because he's hurt. Um, you know, he's got a uh, I think it's an avulsion fracture is what they call it in his finger. It sounds like he's going to be out another week or two uh, there. Also for the Pelicans, Nikola Mirotic is out another week or two. He came back from the ankle, but then has a calf injury. So Pelicans, they're, they're really falling out of this thing. They're, you know, almost completely out of it now. They're five and a half games out. They're 22 and 28. They've lost three straight. I just I don't know that I see them climbing back in it this season. So I wouldn't be making win now moves for them. I'd be more setting everything up for this summer and beyond. The New York Knicks just mentioned them as far as a you know offseason destination for players. But right now, Emmanuel Moutier, who started at point guard for the vast majority of the year, he has a shoulder issue. He's going to be out a couple of weeks. And then Philadelphia, Pete, your guy's banged up. Jimmy yeah. Butler, wrist injury. Uh, sounds like day-to-day, you know, maybe back he, soon. He's supposed we'll to come back Tuesday. Yeah, that's what they're saying. We'll, but we'll see, right? They're, right? You know, those things always worry you. Joel Embiid, obviously he's not right. His his back is bad um, right now. It's it's one of those where I think if they if they had the leeway, they would sit him. You know, and you'd do one of those sit him for like a whole week and see. They finally did sit him out the other night. And then Marco Fultz, uh, no return to play plan, but he is back with the team as he works his way back from the shoulder. So, so Pete, as the Sixers guy, what's your what's your uh, where you where where are you on the worried scale on a uh, one yeah, everything's fine I'm not worried to ten of oh my gosh I'm panicked this whole season's falling apart. Um, I mean I'm not really worried so to speak. I would say like a four maybe because I think that you know Jimmy Butler will work his way back and bead if they can please trade for a big man to get him some rest. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm at the point like I'm tired of pleading on Twitter of like we need another wing shooter you know, something and, and get another big that can spell and bead. Um, I just don't know what they're, I mean, I, I get that Corey Brewer has been fantastic. I, I get that, but I, I just don't know what they're waiting on to, to kind of trigger a move, you know, somewhere across the, the league to get some kind of help 
at least to spell and be because that's your most important player along obviously with Ben Simmons. Uh, hey, they would don't... you throw would you throw something Milwaukee's way for Thon Maker now that he's No, I don't think that interested. helps en- I don't think that he helps enough because he I mean he can shoot threes but he's he, he's not physically there as far as being able to body in the paint and get rebounds or or defend so I don't All know right, I'm going to put you on the spot then. Who oh, who's the, who do, who do you got your eye on then? Like who who's the guy that you're kind of like I, go get this guy? Even though it's a you know kind of a competition thing because it, it's Indiana, I like Kylo Quinn. Okay, um, as a good backup guy, easy I mean, to make work too, money wise. Yeah, I was gonna say I, I don't know how much Indiana is gonna want to give him up yeah, to Philly because of of being yeah. right there. But um, I mean, he's one that I, I've really kind of looked at at heavily. Um, oh, looking. It's okay if, if you didn't if you don't. I mean, well, else. I mean. I would like to say Robin Lopez, but I mean I don't really know contractually what you can make work going back. That it would have to probably be buyout. Just, yeah, that you know the money is too big, fourteen million. That's too much because you it, you know people throw out well, what about Wilson Chandler? Well, Wilson Chandler is the starting four, so you're just creating one hole to fill another. That that's been my my thing every time people throw Chandler's name you know out there. It's yeah, it it, it is definitely going to be tough. There's not a as you kind of look at it, one, one guy I kind of thought of is if they wanted to go go across, what about a guy like Ekpe Udo? I think he could be, you know, interesting yeah. Um, yeah. for them. Again, you're, you know, easier to make the money work, you know, a little, little bit of a smaller contract there. Um, with that, it's, uh, you know, it's just kind of funny watching um, Nerland's Noel and Jalil Okafor kind of blossom into being productive rotation right. players. You know, and, all, and now you think back of like, man, and now it was never going to happen for either one of those guys. Yeah. Really. So they made the right moves there, but yeah, it's, it's just. I also think maybe there could be something with the Kings if they fall out of this. But you're going yeah. the younger route. It's, there, I was looking at Costa Cupis, but doesn't yeah. he make like? Isn't it like eight, eight million, million or so? Yeah. yeah, it gets tough to make the money work. Yeah, um, on those ones. Connie, you got anybody that pops to mind immediately for you that Philly could target to, well, to back up? And- I was actually gonna go uh, with Thon, but you brought that up. But like okay. maybe maybe if you could pry Willie Hernan Gomez. From yeah. Charlotte, um, yeah, that's I know solid. they're looking for picks, yeah. uh, and if because I think he's pretty solid. If you want to part ways with that Bulls second rounder, like that Bulls second rounder is ideal to get like a backup player of any yep. sort, absolutely, um, yeah, that's without a giving player. up a first. Yep. So I think they do have options there. Um, for Dwayne me, would have been nice. Yeah, 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 for me, would have been a good pull it off. Yeah. yeah. Dwayne Dedman, I like that. Um, yeah, Dedman or even Alex Len. I think. No, I don't want Alex Len. <laughs> well, I know you don't like him. But <laughs> that, you know, but but it's just names. It, it the money's too much, but but the Heat have a couple guys that you know. But the money, it's just hard to make the money work. You know, what's funny is I thought about this the other day when I was watching um, Washington play. I thought about how during the Sam Hinky years, they one hundred percent would have had Thomas Bryant. He would have been somebody they would have claimed. Yeah. And you know, and then worked on trying to develop and, and get there. And they so. had Christian Wood right there, and then now yeah, he's let him go. Yeah. Yeah, now he's dominating in the G League. Yeah, it's I, I feel like they're, they're gonna do something. You know, it's just my, my challenge is you don't need a it's the money's way too much, but you don't need a Kelly Olenek type because you have that in Mike Muscala. Like they're you know similar enough in what they can bring you. I I, th- I you know Quinn's probably my favorite one. Um, for them, and I think there's a good chance Kufus gets bought out, so I would you know expect them to really kind of entertain that. And we're going to talk about him uh, in a minute here, but Rashawn Holmes is hurt. But you know, again, another guy they had, and then you know let go. So yeah, curious to see see 
you know, where Philly goes down the stretch here. So let's move to Phoenix. Uh, Phoenix super banged up and, you know, already bad. And now they're, all their guys are hurt. DeAndre Ayton's out still with an ankle. He's day-to-day. Holmes is out with a foot day-to-day. TJ Warren out with an ankle. He's probably not coming back till after the All-Star break. So talking three, four weeks there. And then DeAnthony Melton went out with an ankle recently. And his, his timetable is yet to be determined. So so the Suns, they, they've kind of... I've hit the point with Phoenix where I'm just, I'm done. I'm not going to watch them anymore. I, I don't find anything to be, be watchable just because everybody's hurt that's, you know, they're, they're playing these goofy lineups and Dragon Bender's getting run and, you know, all this stuff that these guys who aren't even really part of the future, there are playing a lot like Quincy AC and Jamal Crawford and Troy Daniels. So I'm just kind of out on Phoenix. I'll, I'll check back in when, when they get their guys back, Portland trailblazers, Little worry there. They're saying it's not a big deal, but Damian Lillard missed last night's game again, Saturday night's game, because uh, we're recording a Sunday morning with a knee, knee soreness. So we'll see something to watch there. The Spurs, DeMar DeRozan was out with a knee injury the other day, or not an injury, but uh, uh, Greg Popovich termed it wear and tear, and that he just needs to be um, rested and see where that goes. And that that's worrisome because he's you know really important to what the Spurs are doing and having a good season. And then one of the two guys he was traded for um, in Toronto have been out. Danny Green hurt his hand. We're still waiting to hear what's going on with that. And then Kawhi Leonard, he came back to play. But prior to that, he'd missed a whole bunch of games with what they were kind of calling rest and load management. That's usually a one or two game thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I had heard that the quad is an issue again um, and that they're they're just managing through that. And that's one of these things I was told multiple times by multiple people much smarter than me with degrees in this stuff that it is the quad is a condition versus an injury. It's just going to be something he's going to have to play through and manage the rest of you know the time. And the challenge for me is what happens if this crops up when you're in the second round of the playoffs and you're, you know, fight? Cause we just said it, it's probably going to be some combo of Boston, Milwaukee, Toronto, and Philly in that, uh, the uh, second round of the playoffs going against each other. What happens if that crops up there? And now he can't play, you know, two, two games in a playoff series. You're in trouble if you're Toronto, right? Pete? Yeah. Kyle Lowry doesn't, <laughs> doesn't, uh, you know, show a lot of, of promise based on past seasons and it come playoff yeah. time. And as much as the Occam's played well, I mean, I mean, you're counting on kind of guys to, that are really secondary, you know, players to really step in at that point. And, I don't know that's an, that's enough to beat a Milwaukee, even Philly. Um, Boston has, you know, lots of depth on their team. I, I just don't – I wouldn't have faith if you, if you don't have Kawhi. And one, one thing I want to say with the Raptors, and this is just kind of picking up a little bit of buzz, they're a sneaky team to watch out for for Mark Gasol. They can put Jonas Valanciunas there and one other player, maybe like DeLon Wright, you know, one mm-hmm. of the the other guys, and that basically gets them there for the money. They're they're way over the cap and tax anyway, so if he opts in next year, it doesn't really matter for them. Um, and that would fill a pretty big spot on their roster. Um, you know, you could then you know maybe move Ibaka to a bench role, which can conserve him a little bit. And I think Gasol would really fit in perfectly there with them. So just just something to keep keep an eye on. You know, you might there might be something there. Um, for for Toronto, as much as you know, uh, I think Jonas Valanciunas has been traded, you know, hypothetically at least a hundred times, um, mm-hmm. you know, in the last few years, and you know everybody always wants to be him, the one who moves. It might be might be there, and Delon Wright is 
you know, if you're Memphis and then you're turning around and you're going to move Conley as well, there we'll get get a point guard in there that can kind of maybe be your, you know, point guard little younger that can grow, you know, with a couple of your young guys on the team. Just to, something to keep an eye on. All right, let's move into the Central Division now and talk about, about the teams that are there. So we talked already Milwaukee and Indiana on our last episode. So let's talk about the Detroit Pistons. They are next in the Central Division standings-wise. They are 21-27. and 27. They are 4-6 and six in their last 10 games. They currently sit two games out of the eighth seed. They're, they're behind Charlotte. They're two and a half behind Miami for the uh, seventh spot, full five games behind the Nets. So, so that's kind of we're starting to see the differentiation break down there. looks like we're looking at maybe four five teams fighting for two spots at the bottom of the east with miami and charlotte currently in there washington detroit and orlando orlando just hanging in around the edges um at this point and you know really struggling they're they're about to drop out of this but but on the pistons con they they uh 21 and 27 feels about right to me looking at the numbers is that what they tell us yeah they're 23rd in that differential at negative uh 2.9 and they're actually eighth in terms of like what they're supposed to win versus what they actually win. So that means they are lucky in that sense. So yeah. they should probably be a game or two lower based on their win differential or net differential. But they're 25th in offense, and that's really coming by missing shots um, everywhere. <laughs> Basically, their field goal percentage is uh, bottom in the league, bottom 10 in the league at almost every metric, um, every spot on the floor. And then their defense is 12th at 108.8 points per possession. Yeah, their 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 offense. If it's not Blake Griffin doing something, it is really almost unwatchable. Um, I don't know what happened to Reggie Jackson, but it's just he just looks awful. Anytime I watch, he he doesn't even have those bursts anymore. He looks really good. They're you know they're kind of cycling through all these guys on the wing. They've gone to Reggie Bullock and Bruce Brown as the two starting wings, and they they can do some stuff. But I like Brown and I like his potential as a rookie. But as a second round rookie. Yo, you you can't expect too much out of him. And then Andre Drummond missed a little bit of time, but he's back now. But but Pete, it it's just kind of is what it is with Detroit. It feels like we're in year I don't know five or six in a row of this kind of thing. Is it time? Would you, if you were the Pistons, would you be making a trade to go kind of all in and solidify a playoff run? Would you ride this out? Would you, you know, or would you completely flip it the other way and start trying to trade pieces away? What would be your strategy here a couple weeks out from the trade deadline? Um, I mean, it's tough though because you you look at the you look at the roster across, and you've got guys that maybe still have some upside. Luke Kennard that you maybe could move because it doesn't look like um, Dwayne Casey has the you know the the most confidence in him, even though he had what a twenty two point game last week. He's scored what thirteen points combined in his last three, so that's you know it's just inconsistent there. Um, Reggie Jackson, his contract, anybody that takes that on it, it's going to be tough. Yeah. And then there's not a lot of there. I mean, looking behind that, Ish Smith has been out for um, a bunch of games. Um, you you really have Brown. You've got what Kyrie Thomas. I mean, they're rookies, so I don't know. I don't know how much you can trust the bench, but you've got to do something. That's when you start looking at guys like Reggie Bullock. You know, could you possibly move him and get get something? Um, even stretching it as far as Andre Drummond, you kind of have to look at. Even though as good as Drummond is rebounding the ball, you know he's starting to hit free throws. 
is he somebody that you can pair with Blake Griffin and somebody that you want there long term, or do you really try to get aggressive? I mean, I personally don't think that they have enough right now, the way it's going to push forward to make the playoffs um, with the way the roster is constructed. But I don't know contractually, especially with Reggie Jackson's contract, what you could do to really get out of this hole. So it's going to yeah, be tough. Yeah, no, no one's taking on Jackson. It's you know eighteen million next year. That's just right. for a guy who's a you know lower, lower, lower tier starter. He probably would be better as a you know high end backup. I kind of see him as almost similar to what Dennis Schroeder kind of became, where it's like if he's your starter, you're probably not in great shape. But if he's your backup, now nah, right, that's not the end of the world. The the two guys that I kind of keep looking at, and I look at them almost as a combo of guys that could go get them a player. Is Glenn Robinson the third? Doesn't play at all. Right. Um, four million this year, and it's got a team option on next year, so it's essentially a de facto expiring contract. And then Ish Smith, who's been hurt, six million dollar expiring. I do wonder the Pistons aren't going to have any cap space next summer anyway. That that's completely out the window um, because of you know you've got Blake and and Drummond are combined you know the uh, sixty one million dollars on the books. So you know, and then throwing Jackson, and now you're at. 79 throwing John Lure, you're at, you know, 80, you know, 88, 89 million. So you're already, you know, well over the cap. But Con, is there, I, I know you, you know, on, on the bench mob show, you guys talk a lot of trades. Could you put something together with Robinson and Smith together at 10, a little over 10 million and go get a guy who could actually help this team next year, even if that meant taking on some money into next offseason? Well, we actually did the Pistons uh, trade deadline episode last week. And Perfect. Maybe you could go get uh, a piece that could help. But what I did as the de facto GM on that episode was I just blew it up completely. <laughs> okay. Uh, um, I think a Blake Griffin for Paul Millsap type deal is very interesting because I think the Nuggets, they don't really have uh, room for cap space next year um, because of all the contracts, Jokic and Harris and um, and all that. So I think Blake Griffin as another star in a winning situation and like he's shown that he can actually play and with Jokic, that would be the best passing. Oh man, that would be fun. <laughs> um, now, you just got me excited, man. And then, and then that clears all of Blake's contract out after this year because Paul Millsap's team option, you don't need to pick that up. Okay. Um, and then I did Andre Drummond for uh, DeAndre Jordan and Jalen Brunson. This way you get like a nice little young piece in Jalen Brunson and you get off Andre Drummond's contract for the rest of it after this year. And I think Dallas could maybe want Andre Drummond because DeAndre's not really been that good this year. And putting Andre still young in Rick Carlisle's system, maybe that um, can help them out. And then Reggie Bullock, like we talked about Philly, maybe get that Bulls second rounder um, or maybe push for like a heavily protected first, if that's possible. I don't think it is, but you know, there, there's a lot of things you could do to get off all this money. And then all you have is like Reggie Jackson's bad contract for next year. And maybe if you're in rebuild mode, you can kind of trade that for an even worse contract and get maybe some assets, maybe like take on Chandler Parsons deal for a few young assets or something like that. I don't know. Um, I think just purely roster construction and cap management and just for the future wise, that's probably the best way to go, but there's other factors that come into play that obviously don't affect me when I'm looking at hypothetical <laughs> trades. So yeah, exactly. yeah. it's funny. I approach it the same way you do. I almost always, if the team's not close to contention, I always look to tear them down versus going the other way. What do you guys think? I was just looking at this. What would you think about Robinson Smith? And then you'd have to throw in another, 
another guy, you know, uh, Ellenson, Mikey, it's pretty close money wise, but you could throw an Ellenson and, you know, but we can get there um, with just throwing in an extra guy. If they wanted to go in and say, all right, screw it. We have no, no chance of cap space anyway. Let's upgrade. What would you think about doing something like that to go get a guy like Tim Hardaway Jr., who the Knicks obviously want to move? I think he would really help the Pistons. Um, I think he would instantly be the best wing on the roster. I think he's, you know, pretty heavy upgrade over Brown and um, Bullock and uh, Stanley Johnson, Luke Kennard. I think think he could really help them. And obviously it helps the Knicks clear, you know, Hardaway's contract off the books. Is that, is that something you'd consider Pete? I would consider that because he, like you said, he would be consistent, but then you'd have to move. Like I, I would feel like then he and, Reggie Bullock are kind of redundant. So then you can move Bullock and get maybe a little bit more front court help, so to speak. Cause you have Pachulia as a backup. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I actually, I don't mind that. I, I don't know how much New York would look necessary. Well, well, they're just know. looking to get off the money, right? They, yeah. They would they're just looking be, to get off know, the money more yeah, than anything else. Yeah, and and yeah. the way it's been going with Fisdale kind of playing guys all the way through the rotation. Yeah. Uh, I think it, it yeah, I, I could actually see that. I'm kind of yeah, talking to myself into it as I'm thinking about it more. <laughs> right, because they're not acquiring any Robinson or Smith as a, you know, anything that for they would do for them on the court. You know, right. maybe Robinson could, you know, play a little down the stretch for them. But yeah, it was one of those things. That if you really wanted to make it even easier, you know, they could, the Pistons could go for a guy like Courtney Lee. I also think, you know, I would have. I would have pitched this earlier if I was the Pistons because I, I go the way Conwin. I would have started tearing this thing down as much as possible. When the Rockets were so banged up, I would have pitched Reggie Jackson for uh, Brandon Knight to you know because you could have made that money work mm-hmm. and then just eat, eat Knight's deal next year anyway, um, and then let Jackson kind of go off to to uh, to um, to Houston and I think he could have helped them at that point. So it's yeah, I'm with you. I think I, I wouldn't. The Hardaway one is tough because you now you're at an 18 next year, then almost 19 the year after that in a player option because I'd be pretty sure he's going to pick that up. But you're not really looking at being a cap space team anyway, so it's kind of that that's kind of move I think you're looking at. I don't think you're you're going to see them do do anything you know big. Con though that that Griffin for Millsap, man, that one uh, that, that kind of excited me. Griffin and Jokic <laughs> together, that'd be you know boy, that'd be a lot of fun to watch all right let's move off the pistons they're just they, they kind of depress me um but let's get really exciting teams <laughs> so um the chicago bulls we have talked a lot about the bulls um con's a bulls guy we've talked a lot about them so we're not gonna spend too too much time on them but but one, one uh one bummer for chicago is injuries keep hitting them especially with their rookies uh wendell carter jr we talked he's basically probably done for the season but now chandler hutchison he uh fractured a toe and looks like he's going to be out at least a week or two uh for the bulls and you know the guy who you were kind of happy to see him getting some run because he was in the uh starting five and, and playing so i do it kind of made me laugh i was like he's he's out i wonder if now we finally get that jabari parker at small forward lineup or if they're gonna go with something like like wayne selden they'll probably do wayne selden because that's far less fun and you know yeah. we, we would all enjoy it more if it was parker but you know it's uh that, that that's a rough blow con this is this is your team it's just it's kind of gone from bad to worse you your whole goal here was to see all these young guys together as much as possible and now you really haven't seen that all year it's it's really been in a big big sense a waste of a season first for the bulls right yeah i mean it's 
the difference between what like the hope that I went into this season to see all these young players and the young core and it's like, going to be a fun team again and yada yada to what it's actually become is stark. Like I did not expect this uh, at all. I mean, I could see like disappointment, but just the way everything's happened. Um, like honestly, if the players just all didn't turn out to be as good as everyone thought they could be, but everyone just kind of stayed healthy and there wasn't that much drama and stuff, I literally would have preferred that over the mess of a season this has been. Um, and now Hutchison's out, which is a bummer. If you went into the season saying, yeah, Jabari's probably going to play more spot minutes at the four and like back up and yada yada and like said the things that made sense and then occasionally played him at the three because of all the injury struggles that would like that would have made sense and no one would have said anything but you went in taking Jabari to start the three (laughs) and now no matter what happens to the three position there is no possible way that you put him there it's just like it doesn't make any sense um I think you got to speak uh to things that you're actually gonna do and when your words and your actions don't match it gets everyone upset um, so I don't know. It's just like, whatever. I'm a Bulls fan and I will say a Bulls fan till the end. Uh, and hopefully in my lifetime, they'll fix it. <laughs> <laughs> Pete, he's, he's saying in his lifetime, in our lifetime, we're both thinking this team was pointed good for, for a long part of, part of our lifetime. Yeah. So, I guess you know. I was born before <laughs> Jordan had his championships, but it was 94. So he's already won three. You That's know? it. Oh man. Now, I got to watch it. I just pissed off every year because the Sixers (laughs) got put out, or you know, just nobody else could win. And I was just like, please, does somebody else win? And so when he retired, it was like, okay, the Rockets get the two in a row. Then he comes back and is like, oh, here we go again. And and you know, I don't want to hate him better than he ever was before. And they exactly ran through the league. And yeah, um, what was interesting is I I look at there's so many parallels between right from the start of the season between the Bulls and the Hawks, where I look at it as both were, all right, we get all these young guys. We want to see them play together. We we brought in multiple rookies, so we want to see those guys play. And a lot of guys, even guys at the same positions, kind of, you know, that, that are part, part of a young core. And I look at for the Hawks is even last night, right, they, they went toe-to-toe with the Blazers and really challenged them on the road. And I think Atlanta is finding out, or we get some guys we can build around. We found some things that work. Everybody, you know, kind of plays well together. And, you know, we, we, we're going to make this thing happen. And then you flip it over to Chicago and it's like, we still don't know who can play together and, you know, how these guys look because we only got, you know, snippets of it. So I think that's that's pretty tough. But I, I want to move off because we've talked to Bulls a lot recently. So let's move to the Cavaliers. It's, you know, it's, it's oddly should be a more uh, depressing situation because it's just not – the young talent there, but I think in a lot of ways for the Cavs this season, after it all went to crap very early for them, it kind of played out. Uh, one quick injury update with them is uh, Tristan Thompson, you know, foot, you know, re- reoccurring injury there in his foot, so he's going to be out at least a couple weeks. And then Larry Nance Jr. he did return, so that that's a plus for the Cavaliers. But but Con, let's go into the Cavs. Um, you know, stats they're they're nine and forty one. They've lost six in a row, one and nine in their last ten. A historically bad defense and you know i think it's you know everything's got to bear that out stat wise right yeah negative 12.1 net differential and uh considering cleaning the glass takes out garbage time i wouldn't be surprised if that's worse on nba.com since when it is garbage time in a Cavs game it's probably the Cavs losing <laughs> you know what's uh, funny so here's what's funny it's actually slightly better oh is it, it i think they get blown out worse ah, okay. garbage time and then i think they make up a little bit of ground i see okay well, slightly more respectable but yeah it's it's still bad 
<laughs> All right, so 24th in offense, 106.2. And then um, last, obviously, in defense, we mentioned that historically bad uh, defense at 118.3. And they just they allow – it's just a turnstile on defense every possession. I mean, even the Bulls – I watched a bit of that Bulls-Cavs game. You were making fun of me for it being on the slate. And <laughs> I, I turned it on, I turned it on for a little bit. Um, even the Bulls, like Zach Levine was just getting anything that he could possibly want. Uh, Lowry was killing it. It's, it's just like there's no resistance. No, there really isn't. They 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 don't have anything resembling a defensive-minded big on the roster. So, you know, guys are constantly getting broken down. I tweeted when they played the Celtics earlier that this, this week. It was um, – do you guys remember Colin Sexton in that summer league game where he stared the guy down? He did that shoulder roll and that became a meme for like a week, man. That feels like it was 10 years ago because it's just, you know, he he's really struggling defensively. And I think it's one of those where I worry about him now because when you have such a, I don't want to call it a toxic environment because I don't think it's that, but but an environment where guys just they, they obviously don't care about that end of the floor. And you're a young player. That's kind of what you're learning in a way is to not care about that end of the floor. So I do you know, worry about them a little bit. The other thing I worry about is it's Sexton and I'll go with Chetty Osman. Yeah, I'll even I, give him Monte and I'll give him Monte Zizic as a because he's shown some stuff. He, I think he can at least be a backup. And then after that, what are your building block pieces here? You think Larry Nance should be one, but Nance is a lot older than I think people know. He's already 26 years old. He turned 26 on the 1st of January. So that's not that's not a young prospect. Can't expect you know too much more growth out of him. And then that's it. So you've got Sexton, Osmond, two, two good, let's still call them good, you know, younger-ish guys. And then you have uh you know Zizic, who's still you know pretty young. Zizic is only 22. Um, you know, and I think that kind of gets forgotten that he's, you know, is as young as he is. But after that, there's just nothing there, right, Pete? Yeah, I mean, you could look at Blossom Game and, and Adele, you know, if you're gonna play them as as the, you know, kind of end of the bench guys, but Blossom Game's twenty six or will be twenty six before next season. Yeah, he's I was gonna say yeah. he's a little bit older on the scale, but yeah. just based from NBA experience, just to get him yeah. out there. But I, I just feel like there has to be something you know, coming, I, I know they're going back and forth about, um, you know, what to do with, with Kevin Love and, and everything with that. But the, the contract extension is going to be tough. You've got J.R. Smith there kind of in limbo. Guys like Jordan Clarkson, Tristan Thompson. So I, I wonder what they do. Just a bit of news that they did refill uh, the vacant Cameron Payne spot with Kobe Simmons um, on the 10-day contract. That actually just dropped a few minutes ago. Um, as we're uh, recording, he's the combo guard that um, played for the Memphis Grizzlies on the two-way contract. Got uh, it. All right. Well, that's good. Season. Yeah, he was with them uh, in training camp, so that's that. Did that just just came out, Pete? Yeah, that literally okay. just came out seven, eight minutes ago um, on Twitter. Uh, Trying to think, Joe Varden, I think, was the one that dropped okay. it. Yeah, if Joe's got it. Then it's then you know it's good. So <laughs> yeah, okay. No, that's that's good. It's uh, you know, that I I like that. That's fine. You know, yeah. uh, I just big, don't big know like, for a point guard too. Uh, Simmons has yeah. so. Yeah, I just I don't know with this team. It's kind of hard to make up what they're going to do because you you acquire Alec Alec Burks. You know, he's played relatively well. You've got Rodney Hood on the wing. Those are both guys that you could potentially could have value for other teams. Yeah, and then you've got David Nawaba, good defender. 
um, which really, you know, the Bulls <laughs> could have used them this year if they, you know, would have been smarter, but that's yeah. all right. Um, yeah. I just don't know. I don't. And then the whole head coach thing, like Larry Drew's come out. Well, I didn't really want the job and, and it just kind of was there. And then now the reports are coming out that they want a young guy that can develop players. Like what does that do to the psyche of, of Larry Drew really kind of giving a crap the rest of the season as far as really trying to push and develop this team? And like you said, the development of Colin Sexton is huge because not only is he point guard and it's the hardest position to learn in the NBA, you know, the losing really breaks down, you know, your psyche across, you know, multiple seasons. If you get ingrained with losing, you know, early, that sticks with you, you know, possibly for, you know, years. And you don't want that culture in the locker room of, of guys being sulking, you know, and you know, especially when it comes to when you're actually fulfilling the rebuild and, and getting guys in there who care. You don't want that aura of, well, we lost last year. What's the difference? You know, kind of thing. Yeah, let's let's so let's get into it. You mentioned a couple of the guys. I think you know there's a potential. Maybe you could flip Alec Burks to a to a wing needy team for you know something minor, like maybe maybe one of those somewhat decent second rounders. Uh, Rodney Hood, he's a guy people still like. Challenge with Hood is Hood has a um, implied no trade cause because he would lose his bird rights as he's playing under the um, the uh, qualifying offer this year. So that's that's a challenge to you know you're gonna have to send him somewhere. I would think at this point he'd just be probably happy to go um, and go go somewhere where you could play and contribute. But you you mentioned Kevin Love. So my in my piece for Yahoo Sports that came out with 10 least tradable contracts in the NBA, I put him as number two behind John Wall. Four years, 120 million. It's a complete, you know, that that's just rough. He, you know, he's barely played this year. We don't even know. Again, their goal, I think, was get him on the uh the um on the floor and start to, you know, prove he's healthy and he can be productive and contribute so then you can um trade him but now i don't think we're even gonna i don't even know if we will see him prior to the trade deadline so con again you guys do all these mock trade deadlines on the bench mob show has anything come up with kevin love is it for you know a team to acquire him or for the caps to just move him like like where are things sitting with kevin love at this point or is this going to be we just got to watch and see what happens this summer and nothing's happening with him at the trade deadline um yeah, the Cavs are kind of quiet in most of our discussions. Uh, now that I think about think back to it, because Kevin Love hasn't really come up, and I mean, if you look at his contract, it's he still has five. It's five years, like twenty twenty two, twenty twenty three. Yeah. Um, he's kind of never been fully healthy for an mm-hmm. entire season. It seems like uh, maybe a season or two that I'm forgetting, but there's always this injury vibe around him. Plus the way the league's going, not that he can't play a really valuable role. It's just that he's basically like a, I don't know. I don't want to disrespect him by saying he's a glorified like Ersan Ilyasova or like something like that because he's a, he, he's a lot better than that. But that's the kind of mold that his, his role takes um, on these teams because you're not going to really rely on Kevin Love post-ups. Is he, uh, is he that much better than... Ersan Ilyasova at this point. I mean, he does, I mean, he does not take as many charges. I know that. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, in, in that, you know, uh, 21 million more a season. Uh, yeah, and that's the thing. That's yeah. the price. It's like he's getting max money for a guy that is not going to give you max production. And if he is, it's it's not the type of max production that you're really looking for for most teams. Um, and he's more of a, okay, we're going to have to overspend because we're contenders and Kevin Love can put us over the top like a 
like the Cavaliers did. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of the only way I can see it. Um, but yeah, so that so that just makes it tough to to find a spot for him. He he was a guy kind of similar to you threw Blake Griffin out. He's a guy I would have you know I would have at one point said you know move him to to Denver because I've always thought he could have really filled a nice role there, but not now. Not now. I'm, I I think that if you're going to do something like that, Griffin makes significantly more sense. And just to give the kind of the contract details on Love, you got to get to 24 million to match in salary this year. To, to, to even trade for him this year. And then what he's owed is 28.9, 31.3, 31.3. And then, it, you know, in that last year, you know, what a reprieve, it drops back down to 28.9. But that's, you know, four years and 120 million. That's just, uh, that's a disaster. That's not, you know. And the other thing I think people forget is he's going to be 31 at the start of next season. So you're looking at him being 34 years old in the final year of that contract. And that's just for a guy who already can't stay healthy. He's had a lot of problems, you know, back and knees and, you know, all, all you know, kind of up and down. It's just, you know, it's it's unfortunate. But I, I I would I would rather have a guy like Ilya Sova for 21 million less and, you know, a ton of ton more flexibility to, you know, kind of work around or a guy like uh, Nemanja Bielica for, you know, significantly less money. So, yeah, I, I'm worried about the Cavs just because I – it's just really hard. There's all these pieces you'd like to see him move on from. You know, Tristan Thompson's no longer such a bad contract, but again, can't stay healthy. J.R. Smith's still on this roster. You know, what are we doing with that? And then, you know, they made the right move, I think, in eating bad money for Henson and Delavadova into next season. I think that that was the right move from Milwaukee to, you know, get you that first round pick. But then you've got Jordan Clarkson at 13.4 million. Like, it doesn't get any better next year. This team's still, you know, well over the uh, cap. And then they're, they're, you know, borderline of if you, you know, if you wanted to resign somebody, you're going to be starting to push into, you know, maybe even being a tax team again, which is, you know, absurd for, you know, how poor the, this, this Cleveland team is right now. I just, it's, it's kind of, this has gone sideways and gone sideways really, really quick. We knew it was going to happen when LeBron left anyway, but I just go back to, you did not need to resign Kevin Love to that you know, giant contract extension. You could have let it play out, let him be a free agent after this year and move forward with a ton of flexibility. Mm-hmm. They even re-signed Larry Nance to a questionable extension. You know, again, Nance already 26 years old. He's going to be in his 30s at the end of that. I don't hate that one as much because it's mid-range deal. Those kind of bouncy bigs always have have play. We, we mentioned it with Kenneth Fareed. Um, you know, he, he's now, you know, in a good situation and, you know, being helpful for Houston, maybe Nance could be that. But it's just, it, it's really, really messy in Cleveland. And I, I just, I don't see a way forward out of this that gets it, you know, much better at any point, you know, soon uh, go, going here. Other than, you know, if they land Zion Williamson, well, then the whole thing changes, right? Because now you've got uh, Cameron Payne and you get Zion and off we go and, you know, you're you're doing, you know, you're having a lot of fun and we've I seen him. I think you meant Colin Sexton. Colin there. Sexton. Not, yeah. <laughs> oh, who did I say? Did I say Cameron Payne? You said Cameron oh, Payne. Oh, geez, yeah. yes. I definitely meant, sorry. I was reading the I was reading my salary sheet and mentally thinking, all right, I can move Payne out and put Kobe Simmons in. And sorry, yes, no, not Cameron Payne. No, not Cameron Payne. Colin Sexton. Yeah, Sexton and Williamson. And now you're building something. And we've all seen the Cavs when they bought them out. They tend to do 
do well in the draft lottery. So, so we'll see where that plays out. But um, unless you guys have something big really to talk on the, the Cleveland Cavaliers the rest of the way, let's close this, this episode out. We're going to do something a little bit different here. We're going to break this up into two parts. So we're going to come right back at you with another episode that will be released this week to talk to Northwest division to really get ourselves caught up and back on track fully. Um, we, we, we've all got some time, so we're going to dive into that one. So you're getting a bonus episode this week of the front office show, but, but for the folks that are only going to listen to this one, if you really love bad central division teams, con tell everybody where to find you on Twitter and what else you got going on. We got uh, the bench mob NBA podcast. Uh, you can follow that at the bench mob NBA. You can follow me at iconic spelled with my name. I K A A N I C. Um, and we do a lot of, like we discussed mock trade deadline stuff. We did the Pistons last week. We're doing Memphis this week. So we'll see all the Conley and Gasol oh, man, that'll be uh, moves. Uh, yeah. So that should be really fun. And Yeah. Follow, follow me there. Con, talk about your your thing you got going on. Oh, in yes. With Sloan. Boston, if you're in the Boston area. Um, it's not in conjunction with Zone, but it's in oh, the, on the same yeah. weekend. Same, yeah, same timing. as Exactly. Uh, the Thursday before uh, Sloan, the 28th of February, we're doing a mock trade deadline like live uh, experience event type thing where you just are going to be in a team with three, four, five people, uh, depending on how many people show up. And you're going to be a front office and negotiate trades. And it's going to be kind of a full day type thing, uh, 10 to 5 p.m. And there's going to be lunch and all that. It'll be a really good time. It was really fun at Sports Business Classroom when I did it. But it was only like a two-hour, three-hour event. And we all said this could go on forever. Um, so I took that and tried to make it a full day thing. So you get some Check people that coming in, right? Some some uh, some some media people and stuff coming in to help out. And yeah, yeah. Right now, Dave Dufour is yeah. going to be there. Um, I think we're going to get a couple more people. Those are still kind of so. being worked out, depending on people's schedules. So we'll announce those as they come. Yeah, no. This is in. I mean, if you're if you're one of those people who sits around and plays on the trade machine and you're in the Boston area, go, cause this would be a lot of fun to, to be a part of, you know, I think, I think this is uh, it. My, my experience was a little different. We do a draft room experience uh, as part of the uh, TPG sports groups, pro scout school. And, but that's the most fun part is, you know, everybody's throwing around trade offers and, you know, going crazy and everything and cons, right. There's something that I could stretch for, you know, hours and hours and hours. And, you know, we have a lot of fun, fun with that. All right, Pete, tell everybody where they can find you on, Twitter and all that good stuff. Uh, you can find me at Pete Toll NBA. So it's P E T E T O A L NBA. Um, far more or less exciting stuff for me, just, you know, catching hoops and um, trying to uh, work on my second endeavor, which is um, getting everything going as far as um, doing an upcoming uh, YouTube channel, which will focus on. Uh, movie reviews, things like that, unboxing of new movies and stuff like that, because I'm a huge collector of movies. It's a hobby I've had since I was a teenager. So just trying to work that into something just to give myself something to do to kind of de-stress on the side. So we'll see how that goes. But once that's up and running, I'll make sure to tweet it out and announce it to everybody. If I wasn't uh, focused on watching things like Bulls and Cavaliers, I would be more into to movies. But as it stands now, my movie watching is whatever my daughter wants to see and the latest Marvel movies. Therefore, in my mind, Black Panther should win Best Picture because it was, I think, the only movie I saw that's mm-hmm. nominated for it. So, and, and I love that movie. I thought it was a lot of fun. So, so there, there's the extent. To, there's the extent of my movie reviews. So, um, <laughs> you know, and I and I'll review um, any Marvel movie you want, and the review will be I loved it, and I think it was. <laughs> 
<laughs> so I, there there's no, you know, I even like the bad ones. So it's uh that that's that's how I kind of wind down and you know turn off my brain. I you know plug those in and, and go. But but all right, so we'll back back with you um here later this week with a second episode. Uh, probably probably right on the heels of this one. Uh, we're gonna dive in. No news because we already covered it. So we're gonna get right into the Northwest Division. Uh, probably not probably the the best division in basketball. Um, in my opinion. So we're gonna get into that one on the next episode the if you if you you know you're listening to this you probably know where to find me but you find me on twitter at keith smith nba on twitter very active on there you can find my written work at yahoo sports uh celtic specific coverage at celtics blog yahoo running some trade deadline related stuff right now we've got the uh 10 most tradable contracts, 10 least tradable contracts. Those are always fun lists to put together. And then buyers and sellers uh, heading into the trade deadline is that starting to come a little more into focus here over the last uh, couple of weeks as we're, we're almost there. We're about a week and a half out from that. So again, uh, if you like the show and you want to support us, please head over to iTunes and give us a five-star rating and review. It would really, really help us out a lot. Also, tell a friend you who might want to listen. And again, thanks to CLNS Media for all their support. Um, this has been the NBA Front Office Show. And we'll talk to you next time. All right, let's pull up over here and drop a line. Your feet wet? My feet are wet. Here's the drain plug. You put the plug in the drain, right? Ah, it's on the dock. There's a reason they say curse like a sailor. Ah, Many reasons. Progressive's boat insurance has you covered. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. And now, an ad from Dad. Save money on car insurance when you bundle home and auto with Progressive. Tell you another way to save money. Don't buy those uh, expensive coffees every morning, you know. Then you can save up for a, I don't know, a really nice dress shirt. I'm just saying. It's great that you feel comfortable here at work, but, you know, an adult could walk in. Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home an auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations.